Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. Examining the Word of God, looking at the example of the book of Acts Church to see how they served the Lord. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. And in doing so, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created, because we don't need the man-made church right now, especially right now. Church age is not over. What happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. If you believe that and you know that there's more, and you want more in your spiritual walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, and you want to join us on this journey, we'd be glad to have you. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button. Or write us at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support us, there are ways to do so. Go to the Firefall Talk radio homepage at the bottom. There are multiple ways to do it. If you need more information, just ask. Use that contact button or the email. For each and every one of you that support us, we appreciate your support and encouragement. And uh, welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Glad you could be here. I'm glad I could be here. You can probably tell from my voice I'm struggling. And I almost, (coughs) I'm sorry, I said that wouldn't happen, and it did. I almost canceled and was going to post a uh, a rewind that I will probably post on Sunday because I cleaned it up, you know, to put it up. And it's very appropriate for what we've been talking about and what's happening right now. So look for another um, upload on Sunday of the Porch Rewind. If you need prayer, just let us know. Right now, if you're... You're dealing with fear, anxiety, whatever is going on, tell us. Um, There's a lot of things going on. There's a flu or bug or something. And apparently I've probably had it for a week now. Last week I didn't sound so good either. But I'm not going to stop. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to teach the word. I'm going to keep going. So I appreciate you praying for me. That's what that aerial support is about. You know, what I do and what we do with SRT and the porch and uh, firefall, we're, we're doing something different. We're trying to raise up the remnant. We're trying to not just restore the priesthood of the believer, and that is really an important focus, but to get people to the point where they're doing what the Lord wanted us to do. Now more than ever, We need people willing to share the gospel, willing to tell others about Yeshua. I've been watching, I'm just going to talk, because this may be a little bit commentary talking, because we're going to talk about what's going on in Israel. But I've been watching a lot of videos on YouTube, uh, One for Israel, and chose One for Israel. It's a Messianic group, because I'm ministering to a, a Jewish doctor out of Los Angeles. And I've seen many of them, but I want to watch them again. And I noticed as I watched two or three or four in a row, many of them, maybe 80 to 90 percent, mentioned that somebody came up to them on the street or in the beach or at a, a coffee shop or whatever and just said, hey, do you know Jesus? And almost all of them said, hey, well, I'm Jewish. And they said, great. So was he. But what got me was the boldness of that street evangelism, that 
openness is the beginning of the planting of the seed, and we all work together to do what we do. So never give up. Never stop wanting to share the Word and share who the Lord is in your life. We start out with praise reports and prayer requests. I praise the Lord that I'm here, that I'm able to speak, albeit gravelly, um, to discuss with you what's going on, to share Scripture. So I praise him for that. I praise him for my home, for my wife, for my family, our furry kids, and everything I have, all this technology, everything that we're doing for him comes from him. He's pretty good about that. I praise him for his protection over each and every one of us. That's Psalm 91 covering that we desperately need right now. Praise him for this ministry, his ministry. It'll always be his ministry. My name will never, ever be on it. I praise him for you. I'm really thankful for each and every one of you, the um, the ones I know and even the ones I don't know that you text me or like last week, a listener, I think Nicholas was listening to tell me, hey, the sound is gone. And I noticed that something went haywire with the technology, which, you know, I want to say, oh, it's the devil. The devil is stopping us from doing it. Well, I don't know if that was the case, but I do know is that there have been recent upgrades in software and um, that could have done it. I don't know. I'm not going to worry about it. We we got over it, and we got it done. I praise him for the dreams and the visions and things that he's showing me, some of which I'm going to share, and um, for his healing virtues. By his stripes we are healed. We live in a fallen world. Things happen. We deal with it. We move on. We keep praising him. We keep looking up. We keep smiling. Because I praise him to be able to praise him. I love worshiping and praising the Lord, praising my Abba Father, because I'm thankful that I'm a renewed in my spirit, man. I am born again, born from above. So I praise him for the signs of the times, things that I'm seeing that are showing me we need to look up because our redemption draws nigh. Creation's growing for groaning for the return of the king, both human, animal, uh, geological. It's groaning. So I praise him for the coming kingdom and the new Jerusalem. Let's pray. First of all, let's pray for Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Normally, I only read Psalm 122, verse 6, but I'm going to read 6 through 8. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. I pray for the people that were hurt and killed and the family members and everything that's gone on in in Israel over these last days and will continue to go on. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the innocents, the, 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 the martyrs, the victims of injustice. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing in me and my wife, my family, and each and every one of you as we get back to our divine design, as we pray that our cells on every fourth day a new cell is made and the old one dies and the assembly line keeps going and that's how we stay alive and, and we heal and we do all that. And when a, a cell gets damaged, they sometimes keep making the same damaged cell. No, 
We need to get back to our divine design, the way he made us, that we can be healed, that we can be whole. So if you're sick right now, if you're dealing with stuff like I am, praise him, thank him, and believe and receive your healing. I pray for protection, inspiration from the Holy Spirit for the remnant to rise up, wake up, answer the call to action. For those who have been called to bless, to be a blessing. Have you been blessed? Then be one. Not just to me or to Firefall or to SRT, but to, to others that need it. There are ministries out there that don't have the big followings because they won't sell out. They won't do the brand thing. We're struggling, but they keep going. They drive the broken down cars. They wear the clothes that need to be replaced, the shoes that need to be replaced, because the gospel's more important than them. If you know someone that's been blessed and they're looking to find a place to put their seed in good ground, tell them about us. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's you know. Let's take combine our prayers. If one puts a thousand in the flight, then just think what our prayers could do, especially right now in the spirit realm. So I pray protection and covering over each and every one of us. The enemy knows the time, and we should too. We should act accordingly. We should push back. We should stand up, square our shoulders, and when having done all, stand. I believe that we should become more proactive instead of reactive against the enemy. But to do it not in aggression, not in fear, but in confidence, in purpose, and in power. Dunamis, Holy Spirit power. I pray for edification, encouragement, inspiration in each and every one of you, as well as me. And for us to be able to do what we've been called to do, to help the dying, save the lost, set the captives free. So, Father, Abba, you're awesome, absolutely awesome. We love you. We thank you for loving us even when we were unlovable. We thank you for Yeshua, who you sent to die for us, to shed every drop of blood on that cross so that we could have access to you, reconciled to you, no longer separated, no longer behind a wall, behind a veil. And we thank you, Lord, for doing that, for being willing to do that for us and for the Father, because the heart of the Father desired to be with us. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that walks with us, encourages us, teaches us, and helps us, Lord. Teach and every one of my brothers and sisters out there, Lord, right now, stir up the Spirit in them. If they're not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the manifestation of the gifts and the fruit, I pray that you would do so, that you'd catch them off guard, that you'd fill them, change them, and use them. Have your way, protect the technology, and let us do and say what you'd have us do and say. In Yeshua's name, if you agree with me, say amen.
These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Open up your Bibles, and to some of you that um, asked to have a list of the Scriptures, I dropped the ball today. I will get it out to you first thing in the morning. Sorry if you're listening live and wanted to know what I was going to say when. Aren't a whole lot of Scriptures. It's a little more us talking together. So, again, forgive me. Go to Zechariah 12, starting verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. Thus says the Lord, who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem, and shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem very heavy stone for all people. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all the nations of the earth are gathered against it. And in that day, says the Lord, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all peoples. All who lifted or burdened themselves with it shall be sorely wounded. And all of the nations of the earth shall come and gather together against it. This was written in 520 B.C. So on that day means in the future. And we've seen various times that that could have applied. But it only applies for a specific period of time. It's a foreshadowing of the end times. Possibly, most likely, Armageddon when all the nations move on Jerusalem. And then the Lord intervenes. Everything we're seeing and hearing right now has some kind of prophetic implication. And you have to know prophecy and you have to know the word. You have to know the word, not somebody else, not somebody on YouTube. You need to know this word. You need to understand what prophecy is. You need to understand what it means and how it works and not be fooled by somebody who's got a product to sell or is looking to build a brand or create a following. Israel is important to God. Jerusalem is the apple of his eyes. Zechariah 2, eight. thus says the Lord of hosts, He sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Interesting, in the New King James, and I'm sure the King James, the he is capital H and the me is capital M, two different people. Now, I wonder who that could be. Hmm, two different people. Well, the he, I believe, is the Lord. I mean, is God, the Lord God, Abba, and the me is Yeshua. He sent me after glory. Thus says the Lord. Thus says Adonai. The apple of his eye is the pupil. You know, it's funny is when I got saved and, and I'd learned about that, I was talking to somebody and they got up really close on me. And I was looking them in the eye, which I usually do. And all of a sudden I saw it, my reflection in the pupil of their eye. 
Israel is the apple of God's eye because it expresses God's intimate feelings for his chosen people. They've not been replaced. They've not been forgotten. They've not been cast aside. Thus says the Lord, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Psalm 17, verse 8, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Israel in the city of Jerusalem is the apple of his eye. When he sees the earth, when he looks at the earth, that's the center of it for him. He sees the entire earth, but the center of his eye, the pupil of his eye, is on Jerusalem. And guess what? It's that way whether you like it or not, whether people like it or not, whether cemeteries, seminaries like it or not, or denomination abominations like it or not. It doesn't matter. It's what the Word says. But there's also somebody else that has his focus locked on Jerusalem. And that's Hasatan. That's Satan. See, he knows how important it is to the Father, and he lusts after it for that very reason. Satan wants Jerusalem, and especially the Temple Mount. And and I love when I see people say, oh, Satan's after me, or Satan's doing this, or Satan's doing that. And every now and then I just will leave a comment or say to them, You really have delusions of grandeur if you think Satan actually cares about you or worries about what you're doing or where you're going. He's got bigger things on his mind. Jerusalem and the Temple Mount, he wants to be worshipped as God in Jerusalem by the Jews and all of humanity. And we're seeing that play out right now before our eyes. There is a fight for Jerusalem, to take it. And we're seeing the Jews fight for Jerusalem. I don't want to say to keep it, because I don't believe anybody could actually take it, but they're fighting for Jerusalem against those who would take it or try to destroy it. When you look at the news, try to see it with the spiritual eye. Don't get caught up in the emotions. Don't get caught up in the manipulation. Try to filter everything through a spiritual eye. Listen to the Lord. Listen to the Holy Spirit. See what the meaning is. So what am I talking about unless you've been living under a rock? Which, if you have, it's got to be very uncomfortable. But just in case, on October 8th, 2023, the final day of Sukkot, the day known as Simchat Torah, celebrating the conclusion of the annual cycle of Torah readings and beginning a new cycle. The terrorist organization Hamas attacked Israel. On the day, 50 years to the day of the 1967 Yom Kippur War. That can't be. 50 and 67 doesn't make... Hold that. That can't be right. I took that from an article, and that was wrong. I should have checked. I'm sorry. We're going to check right now because we're live and we're on the air, and I have access to the the um, Internet. I think it's the 1973 war. 
Bear with me here. It's the Yom Kippur War of 1973. If that had been a game show, I'd be off the show right now. Okay, we got that straightened out. Anyway, so 50 years to the day, they attacked. What they did is they fired 2,500 rockets into Israel in an attack that began at 6.30 a.m. in the dark. And the rockets were actually a distraction to cover for the breaches that were being made in the land security barriers separating Gaza from Israel. And they were using tanks that they'd gotten from Afghanistan, bulldozers, and other things to cut holes in the barbed wire. And cars and motorcycles and people went through and the guards began, were overwhelmed. By 10 a.m., Hamas fighters invaded three military installations near the Erez border. The border towns were attacked, gunmen going house to house, killing people and taking hostages. The bodies began to pile up as those who could not lock themselves in their bomb shelters and panic rooms were caught off guard and those that could were burned alive. Entire communities were being exterminated by Hamas in violence reminiscent to me of Nazi Germany. The elderly were being dragged from their homes and shot in the street. One wheelchair-bound woman was a Holocaust survivor. Vehicles shot up. I've seen the images on the roads. Families, entire families wiped out. Children in their car seats. Many were burned alive in their vehicles as they tried to drive away and escape the horror. 108 members of Kibbutz Be'ari, a population of 1,000 men, women, and children, were found murdered. 108 of them murdered, dismembered, beheaded, including the children. Bodies piled up at a bus stop. As I said, burned corpses in safe rooms. Entire families slaughtered together. I've seen pictures of cribs with bullet holes and blood. Journalist invited to Kafaz Ha, kibbutz that was besieged for days, said, quote, they saw bodies everywhere, including children and people with their hands bound or heads cut off. And an unconfirmed report by an independent reporter with an Israeli news channel said an IDF commander told her that soldiers had found at least 40 babies killed. That morning and that day, there was an outdoor party, the Supernova Music Festival, going on near the Gaza Strip in Kibbutz Reim. Thousands of people descended on Southern Israel for this music festival, billed as the first time a Brazilian psytrance, and that's that driving beat kind of thing, festival, Universal Parallel, was held in Israel. Well, while they're partying, while they're dancing, paragliders start coming in from the sky. Vans filled with men start driving in and surrounding them. And what's interesting is that if you go to their website, which I did, you see it was the event 
was billed as a safe envelope for finding inner calm, peace, and harmony. These are the right parameters from which extraordinary and unforgettable experiences are now created. What a haunting statement that was. They posted a map of the festival showing where everything would be. The entrance, the gates, the people. So it gave the terrorists a clear idea of where to go and what to do. So they came in in vans shooting as they drove by from every side. Parachutes coming from above. Gunning people down. 260 people dead. Some people captured. I saw reports from one eyewitness. They ran into a bomb shelter, which became a trap. And the terrorists were throwing grenades in there, which some of the men were were catching and immediately throwing back, so they just riddled it with bullets. And the one man who survived was in the very back, pinned, and was protected by all the other people that died. One young woman was captured. She was thrown into the back of a pickup truck. She was raped. She was beaten. Her arms and legs were broken, and then she was killed. She looked like a broken doll in the back of the truck as the terrorists drove by sitting on her body. Another naked, another girl in her naked body was paraded through the Gaza streets while Hamas and Gaza citizens spit on her. Currently, the death toll has soared past 1,500 Israelis, 3,000 wounded, over 100 kidnapped, including Americans and citizens from other countries. So far, 5,100 rockets have been fired into Israel. Why am I telling you this? Because you need to understand, first of all, how ugly evil is, and you need to get a picture on what the world's going to be like when the Antichrist rises to power. Because this is not even a drop into what he's going to do. So Israel has responded and the death toll in Gaza has climbed into the thousands as buildings are leveled and entire areas are wiped out. And people are saying, oh, you shouldn't do that. Those are civilians. Well, it's not Israel's fault that Hamas, Hamas uses women and children as human shields and hides their rockets and their gun mounts in residential areas and apartment buildings. And all the numbers I just read to you will increase dramatically as the as we, Israel gets ready to invade Gaza. Now, all the while that's going on, Hezbollah is not send, now sending rockets and drones in from Lebanon and the, the north, and so is Syria. So Israel, the apple of his eye, is fighting for its life on two fronts, and this is not by accident. You don't have to be a security analyst to figure out this is well-coordinated and well-funded. And what's it meant to do? Well, first of all, it's meant to deplete Israel so that it can't defend itself, so that the Iron Dome doesn't have enough rockets. And, of course, we can't supply them because we've given most of what we had to the 51st state, Ukraine, I'm sure Puerto Rico is really upset. They want it to be the 51st state. And they're depleting the people. They're breaking their spirits. They're getting them to turn on one another. 
psychological warfare. Parents are being warned, don't let your children be on social media this weekend because videos of the event and torture and the murders are going to be sent to families and shown online. That's how Satan works. That's how demons work. I know a lot of you think you know spiritual warfare. You've sat in an air-conditioned room somewhere, or you've gone to some event, and you've acted like you've done something. Until you get your hands dirty, until you're out there in the midst of it, until someone almost spews a quart full of ectoplasm on you because it's coming out of them faster than you can move. Luckily, the Holy Spirit has moved me. Until you hear the screams, until you see the cries, until you see the mess, until you smell them, you really don't know. And it's time to wake up. What's this goal? What? Why do this and why now? Well, they've stated they're going to take retake Jerusalem and wipe out the Jews. That's their plan anyway. I think I know somebody who's not going to allow that to happen. In my opinion, this is just the opinion of Richard Grund. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you that this is, um, what's the word? This is expert opinion. Uh, You know, there are plenty of people out there doing the videos and doing all that. I'm just giving you my perspective from prayer and study and what I've experienced and what I know from that world. This is a well-planned, coordinated attack using military equipment guns, ammos, drones, and tanks that we left behind in Afghanistan in our wonderfully planned withdrawal, sarcasm there, and the recent $6 billion we released to Iran. That's who's paying for all of this. In fact, the head of Hamas's PR person said that, thanking Iran for the funds to do this. But this doesn't affect you, does it? We're here in America. I'm in Florida. You're wherever you are. Maybe you're in the UK. Maybe you're you're in some other country. You're okay, right? This can't touch you. This won't come near you. Well, they're thinking, not thinking, they're claiming that there are suspected terrorist cells in various areas of the United States. We, they know for a fact there's one in Georgia and other places. Thousands of suspected terrorists walked across our border. They were given phones and uh, bank cards that somebody keeps filling every month. As of today, there are warnings in place in major cities about a potential attack because the founding Hamas terror leader, I have his name here, hold on, Khalid Mashal, has called for a global day of jihad. He's called all Muslims on Friday the 13th, which is this Friday, for it to be a day of blood, to embrace global jihad. And now they're saying if you live in a major city, it's being recommended to avoid crowded, highly public places. Well, we live here in Orlando, and I'm not too far from Universal Studios, so if you could, you know, anything can happen anywhere, but I'm not afraid. I know who protects me, and I believe in that. And this is meant to bring chaos and fear. And we should not be afraid. Let me say that again, which I just did twice. 
Don't be afraid. Know who your daddy is. But make sure you're awake. Your eyes are open. Now, people say, oh, it's the end times. This is it. It's over. Jesus is coming back. Well, he could come back at any moment. We've got a couple of problems and prophecies. But we do know that the prophetic clock began ticking on the day of Pentecost and increased in speed on May 14, 1948, when a nation was born in a day. That's Israel. So what does this mean for the church? What does this mean for us? Are we at the end? Go with me to Matthew 24, starting verse 3. What does the Lord say? Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. And Yeshua answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. And we're seeing them on stages and on Internet and social media, claiming Jesus is Lord, but he's not Lord of their life, and they're talking about a different Jesus. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. See right there, don't be afraid. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdoms. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the, be- all these are the beginnings of the sorrow. And yes, we've seen that over and over many years, many times. But right now we're seeing all of them that he just mentioned at the same time. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many Christians see that elsewhere. We're going to see that here in America and other Western countries. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness, which is sin and rebellion against God, will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved, praise God. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And the reason it has to happen that way is nobody is going to stand before him and say, wait a second, I did not know. That's why what I said about the Messianic Jews being witness to Almost every one of them said they didn't know who Jesus, who Yeshua really was. And once they knew who he was, once they read Isaiah 53, they knew he was their Messiah. What if somebody hadn't been bold enough to talk to them? What if those kids on the beach or in their office or there's so many great stories? We have to preach the gospel in all the world. We have to be a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now from verse 14 to verse 15, we have a transition in time. We go into the great tribulation. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, 
spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who was on the rooftop not go down or take anything out of his house. Let him who was in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be a great, then there will be a great tribulation. That's the period we're in, great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Verses 15 through 22 and onward are to Israel. The great tribulation is not for the church. We are not here during the time of Jacob's trouble. Word does not verify that. So what else? I'm I'm hearing, oh, this is the Psalm 83 war. Well, no, it's not. Because the Psalm 83 war cannot happen before the rapture of the church in the time of the great tribulation. Yeshua, the one who spoke everything into existence, he decides when. Yes, the Father tells him and he speaks it, but he's warning, he's telling us that during the Great Tribulation, all these prophecies will be fulfilled. But what we're seeing is a prelude, a dress rehearsal, if you will, for those things. And each one, each war, each skirmish, each event that comes close to being it looks much more like it. It's like you're building a prototype and you're getting closer to the perfected model. So let's go to Psalm 83. We'll just look at verses 1 through 6. So like I said, a lot of commentary, a little bit of scripture. Psalm 83, verse 1. O God, do not be silent. Do not be deaf. Do not be quiet, O God. Don't you hear the uproar of your enemies? Don't you see that your arrogant enemies are rising up? They devise crafty schemes against your people. They conspire against your precious ones. Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of its existence. Yes, this was their unanimous decision. They signed a treaty as allies against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, and the Moab, and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon, and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria has also joined them. They have helped the children of Lot. Those first six really focus on the war and everything that's happening and the attack on Israel. But it's against who? It's against your people, your precious ones. Who are his precious ones? Israel the apple of his eye, a treaty of allies. Beside the fact that those nations are not present in any current form or current treaty, getting ahead of myself. See, Psalm 83 is very short and very simple. It's written to the Jews from Judea who have fled into the wilderness. Well, where did we hear about that? They fled into the wilderness during the second half of the tribulation. Wait a second. The Lord talks about that in verses 15 through 22 of Matthew 24. 
The word confirms itself. So that wilderness area, the region of the Jordan east of Jerusalem, it's a mountainous area. And the alliances listed have not been formed at this time or any other time. It's a future alliance. And while God, Abba, Hashem, seems quiet, this demonic confederacy is making an uproar against him in defiance and aggression. Come, they say, let us wipe out Israel as a nation. We will destroy the very memory of its existence. I heard those exact words used by a Palestinian leader in a video the other day about this fight and an Iranian leader not too long ago. We will wipe out the very existence of Israel and their very memory. But guess what? Our Heavenly Father has the last word about that, Amos 9.15. I will plant them, them being Israel and his children, in their land, and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. And it's not the Ezekiel 38 war either, for the very same reasons. It's another war done done during the tribulation period. The elements of that war and the players involved are not in place yet. I don't know how people can't see that. This isn't rocket science. It's biblical science, but it's not rocket science. If you have any common sense, any ability to discern, you'd see that. Syria has not been left in a ruinous heap, which is part of the prophecy. Russia, who's supposed to get involved, is tied up in a war with the Ukraine, and it can't fight one in the Middle East, too. Now, all of this could change in in a moment. But I believe through prayer the Lord is saying it's not time. He's holding things back. But he's allowing it to happen to get everyone's attention. Everybody's afraid about World War III. I saw a number of videos on YouTube. I love people. They're trying to get clicks, and they're trying to make money. So they have clickbait titles and things that, you know. If Let me tell you something. A little trick. If you turn on a video and you realize you've been duped, don't watch it to the end because they don't get paid unless you watch it to the end. World War III teetering on the edge. But guess what? Things haven't lined up for that either. And too many other things going on. And I think he's created chaos, even within the ranks of the fallen, even within the ranks of the enemy, even within all these nations, causing things to happen that don't allow them to complete their mission. I don't share a whole lot of words that the Lord gives me, just ones I think are important that tie into what we're talking about last week while Larry and I were praying. And sometimes this is how he works with me. I'll be doing something or not doing anything or just not even thinking about anything, and he'll just say a word. Just a word. And I remember when that started. It was very disconcerting and very... It made me sad because maybe a decade or so, maybe more, 
maybe 20 years ago, I was walking the pool deck. Ever since I got saved, I had a very conversational relationship with the Lord. I remember one night sitting on the back of Christian Heritage Church, praying and and talking to him, and a bug went by. It was wonderful colors, and I said, wow, Lord, what were you thinking when you made that? Next thing I know, this conversation's going on, and I suddenly realized how David felt out in the field by himself at night while everybody else was in their beds asleep, just talking to the God of all creation. But one night on the pool deck, he was very quiet. And I said, Lord, I miss, I miss those, com- those conversations we used to have. And he said, I know you do, son, but I need you to understand what I want from you from a word or a whisper. And while there are times I do hear entire things, but every now and then it's been a word or a whisper. So last week while Larry and I were praying in the midst of prayer, all of a sudden I heard the word cataclysm. I sent out a word to some people thinking it was calamity, and Larry reminded me, and calamity is a synonym, but it was cataclysm. What is cataclysm? It's any violent upheaval, especially one of social or political nature. It's an event that causes a lot of destruction or a sudden violent change. And I remember seeing what I thought was an earthquake. Buildings wiped out, rubble and dust. And then he said, it, I asked him to clarify, is this natural or supernatural spirit? And he said, both. And then he said, it's going to shake the world and shake the church. So yesterday, when this war began, I remembered that. And I said, Lord, was that what you were talking about? He said, part of it, there's another part that hasn't happened yet. And here's what I think that is, and I'm sharing this with you for prayer and consideration. I believe that he's allowing things to shake up Israel, to bring them, draw them back to him, because they've forgotten who they are. They've allowed things, they've done things, like Israel's always done, and fallen into disobedience and He's shaking the church because we're grafted into the vine. And everybody wants the blessings of Israel, but nobody wants the curses. Everybody wants the good stuff, but they don't want the other stuff. Well, guess what, folks? We get it all. So he's shaking things up. He's exposing who's on his side and who's against him. He's exposing even those in the church who have allied themselves with the world and therefore the devil against Israel, and against him. The anti-Semitic, those that believe that the church has replaced Israel, which is called replacement theology, those that even support Hamas because they think Israel's evil. He's exposing and he's establishing, establishing, excuse me, drink water here, I'm losing my voice. If you find it, let me know. Oh, it's over there. He's both exposing and establishing lines drawn in the sand on every level. Kind of like when Moses said 
to the rebellious group of Israelites, everybody who's with the Lord, come over here. And those that didn't got swallowed up. Well, guess what? Those that don't are going to get swallowed up. The shaking and the sifting has begun. We are being threshed like wheat to separate the good from the bad, from the usable to those from those he can't use. So are we at the end? Well, I would say yes, but here's why. I believe the last days began on the day of Pentecost. And why do I believe that? Because the Apostle Peter said so in Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, starting verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven. This is after they come out of the upper room, after they're all speaking in tongues and other languages, and the people say, oh, they're drunk. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. They're drunk. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, what did the prophet Joel say that pertained to what was going on that day? Verse 17. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Well, did that happen? Yes, it did. It happened on the day of Pentecost. It's still going on. So are we in the last days? Yes, we are, just based upon that alone. The clock is ticking. So what should we do? We should act accordingly. The book of Acts church did. They were serious about what they did because they knew at any moment the Lord could come back. And we are very close in the final ticks of the clock. So what do you do? You panic, you run around like a chicken without its head, or the sky is falling. You stock up on water and food, which, while that's probably not a bad thing because the supply chain is probably going to take a hit. The first thing you do is you know the word, the person of Yeshua. I mean, know him. And you know his word. You get it inside of you so that in a crisis, it comes forward. It comes out when you train or you do anything, whether it's athletic or professional. Repetition gets you to the place that it comes naturally. It becomes instinctive. You don't have to think about doing it. Sense memory does it for you. Well, we need to develop our sense memory to the scriptures that we speak, to how we react, to understanding we live in a fallen world. And yes, while there are probably demons everywhere, and yes, I can see them, I am not worried about it. There are germs everywhere. I can't see them, but there are germs everywhere. And they can hurt me, but I don't worry about it because I've got immunity. Well, you have spiritual immunity, so let's not get paranoid about this spirit or that spirit. 
seems like what was going on in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, is cycling back. Oh, it's the spirit of this and it's the spirit of that. you got to do that. Stop. Oh, you got to say all the names of God. No, I don't. I know the most important name of all, Abba. And as my daddy, he encompasses all those things. And that's how I walk. And that's what I walk in. I don't walk in fear. I'm not foolish. I'm not arrogant. I understand that I live in a jungle and there's a roaring lion seeking to devour me or those that I love or tear us up. So I'm conscious of that. We need to make sure that our lives, both naturally and spiritually, are in order. Because if they're not, if there's just one part of your life that is out of order, the enemy will find it. They are brilliant at watching and waiting. And they will let you make a mistake over and over and over until you think, okay, that's not going to get me in trouble. And it's when you're not watching and waiting and looking that they will nail you. If you make a mistake, put it under the blood. Repent. Say you're sorry. Close the breach. Close the door. Now, I said all that so we could talk a little bit about what's going on to get prepared. And to, yeah, I really felt compelled to do this. And that's the reason that even how I feel and the, the way I sound, I knew I had to do this. I had to have this talk with you. Because I don't know what tomorrow will bring. I don't know what's going to happen on Friday. They could attack the grid and we're out of power for days or weeks at a time. I don't know. But what I do know is I know who knows. And I know who controls all of it. And I know if I need to know, he'll tell me. I know his word. I know where to find the things I need to find. Open your Bible. Search for scriptures that pertain to things like this. Psalm 27, verse 5. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. He will keep you. And he will protect you. And he will watch over you. Stay behind the wall. Stay within the kingdom. Don't get drawn out. If you hear the Lord say no, then don't do it. If you hear him say don't go, stay home, doesn't matter where you're going, stay home. If you hear him say pick up that phone or reach out to so-and-so and talk to them, do so. Be obedient and do it out of love. Father, I just come to you now in the name of Yeshua. I'm surprised I made it this far, Lord. That's you. That's your Holy Spirit. Obviously, you thought this was important, too. We love you. We thank you that you, knowing the end from the beginning, have given us everything we need to endure, everything we need to overcome, everything we need to be victorious, to have faith and not fear, to not be foolish. 
We thank you for your Holy Spirit right now, Lord. Again, I am asking for your children, some of whom will hear me talk and hear my stories and probably only believe about half or 80% of it because they've never felt it and they've never experienced it. Folks, I don't make things up. I don't need to. I don't care what you think about me. I don't need anybody's applause or anybody's adulation. I'm sharing with you from my heart, being completely transparent, hoping that it inspires you, encourages you, and and edifies you, builds you up. So, Father, please, please fill them, touch them, wash them clean of anything that would hinder them from having it. Let them walk in intimacy. Let them walk in the spirit, not the flesh. Let them have eyes to see and ears to hear if that's what they need. Protect them from evil and the evil one. Let your Psalm 91 covering be in effect. Hide them under the shadow of your wings. I bind any fear and forbid it from overtaking or infecting any one of your children that is listening to my voice. And I speak faith, supernatural abiding faith in the King of kings and the Lord of lords and to the one who spoke everything into existence and the one who holds it all together by his very nature. And Lord, I pray that they would know how much you love them. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, may Adonai, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall. Talk Radio.